This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. Today, we explore the university strikes in the United Kingdom. At the end of the day, it's hard to know how many people were on strike, but I think when we look at the photos across the UK, we see that it's been followed massively and people are just fed up. It's not just a question of pensions, it's a question of of the current situation and and the way we are doing our jobs. A job that we love, a job that we work very hard to. We always go above and beyond, you know, we don't work for 39 hour a week or or anything like this. We all work, you know, on evenings, weekends uh, and so on. We are all dedicated to our students, to our research, uh, to our community and, and we're treated worse and worse. And I think, you know, this kind of last attack on our pension was just really this tipping point, I think. So there's this optimism is not just let's defend our pensions, it's also let's think about social justice, let's think about how the system works, let's change the system. My guests, Ianis Kostis Batley and Ariellen Mundan, are lecturers at the University of Bath and participants in the Bath Teachouts. Based on their experiences in the current labor movement sweeping the UK, they find an alternative emerging the neoliberal university. Again, breaking the hegemony, if you want, kind of starting to kind of make a little breach here to say, hey, look, there's something else. We could do something different. And if we do it together, we'll do it well, you know, and it will be, it will be great. It's going to take a long time, but there's definitely appetite for these changes. Their new co-written blog post entitled University Strikes Reclaiming a Space for Emancipatory Education was published by the online magazine Discover Society. Ianis Kostis Batley and Ariellen Munden, welcome to Fresh Ed. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having us on. Why are academics on strike at Bath University? Well, academics are on strike at Bath University and over 60 other universities uh, across the UK at the moment, uh, mostly because of our pensions, uh, really. That, that very much was the tipping point uh, of what pushed us to go on strike for, uh, at the moment, what is a 14-day um, strike action. Uh, we've done nine days of the strike at the moment, uh, and we are planning on doing another five uh, next week if the negotiations uh, do not start uh, in earnest again uh, today. Uh, the tipping point really was, was, was the pensions and the fact that on average, uh, lecturers and uh, academic staff will be losing £10,000 a year, more for younger academic staff, so that could make a massive uh, difference at the end of our, of our career. I mean, for a lot of us, obviously, uh, the end of our career is quite far away and we're expecting we're going to have to fight again for pensions and other things. But it was really the tipping point because it was felt that uh, the, the way the valuation was done was very, uh, very poor, actually. And it really was a way to kind of cut costs from the universities at the expense of staff and making our work conditions a lot worse at a, at a time when actually uh, fees for students are going up, students are paying more and more money and the, the staff who are teaching them are pay, being paid less and less and treated worse and worse. So for us, that was very much uh, a tipping point, but this is very much linked to pressure on work for us, to uh, the marketization of education, the fact that students are treated as consumers today, making our work a lot harder and their life uh, a lot harder and their, and their education a lot poorer for this as well. In about 2010, there was already changes to the, com- to the pension scheme. And these changes went from a final salary scheme to an average salary. And they were made under the assumption that the pension system needed to become sustainable. And after these changes were made, they were made under the almost promise that, well, we do not need to change the pension scheme anymore. So suddenly there's a sense of betrayal once again, now having to shift 
to direct uh, to define contribution. And that again is helped with the tipping point. So can, can you just explain a little bit about the differences between a final pension scheme and an average pension scheme? And I'm not really sure what you're calling it now, where it's, I guess it's now it's tied more to um, contributions that then go into the market. I mean, I'm not sure, but cl clarify these different changes and how these pensions look differently from 2010 to what they're proposing now, what the universities are proposing now. Well, it's, I mean, there's a lot of jargon, obviously, here. And uh, I think, I mean, the best thing to do is really to look at the UCU website, who has managed to explain it extremely well uh, in many ways and in ways that, that us as, uh, as lecturers in education and politics might not be able to do so well. Uh, but, uh, but I think, well, I mean, in a way, you know, what, it's moving away from, uh, from where we would have a, a collective pot of, if you want, where we would all kind of chip into the same pot to then having something that is a lot more individualized and we would be just risking our own uh, kind of pensions into the market on, on our own. Uh, our, uh, um, our employers were saying that having this collective pot was, was a lot ris riskier. But in fact, we found out since that uh, actually when the employers were asked, uh, I think it was 52% of them said that they wanted less risk with the pensions uh, and therefore putting in less money themselves uh, directly. But these 52% we found out uh, were actually mostly composed of Oxford and Cambridge who got one vote per college there, uh, which completely skewed the entire vote uh, from, our, uh, from, from our employers in many ways. And since uh, we've begun the strike action, many vice chancellors in many universities across the country have said that actually they don't mind the risk, they don't mind uh, us being uh, paid well. Uh, and having good pensions. I mean, the pension schemes, which is quite uh, quite safe in a way and, and, and allows us to look forward to our pensions to an extent, is one of the benefits, one of the perks we get in the UK. Uh, the pay for uh, for lecturers and senior lecturers in, in this country is not as good as, uh, as in the US or as in Australia, for example. But one thing that is quite good for us is this pension. And uh, this is something that's very worrying for us because if that goes, that means that our working conditions are becoming worse and worse. And, you know, a lot of our colleagues are extremely well um, educated. Uh, we all have a lot of expertise and we could all kind of go, or a lot of us could go somewhere else and find work somewhere else. We love being university lecturers. We love teaching. We love our research, uh, but if things you know, uh, go worse uh, in our work conditions, we, we might look elsewhere and that would be a terrible shame. And also that's the contradiction of, you know, students paying more and more for their education and us being treated worse and worse. And, and again, you know, I keep coming back to this and I tell my students this and they, they're shocked. I mean, they're really shocked because they think that the money they pay and the increased money they pay year on year uh, comes to us. And clearly it doesn't. So what we're currently on and what we're fighting for is called defined benefit scheme. And the reason it is safe is because it will pay a decent retirement. We know how much money we will, based on our input now to the scheme, we know how much we will get in retirement. The defined contribution scheme, which is high risk, is based on the fluctuations of the stock market. And some people have called that, a, I think it's called the die quickly scheme, because it encourages you to die sooner, since you won't be able to have enough money in retirement. And this is a fundamental change and the difference is enormous in that the average lecturer stands to lose £10,000 a year in retirement. So for me, effectively, I might have £26,000 a year in retirement. However, if it's changes to direct contribution, uh, defined contribution, sorry, it would end up being about £10,000. It's actually a £16,000 loss a year. And living on £10,000 in retirement after working for 39 years it's just not acceptable. How many faculty members at the uni University of Bath are joining this strike? 
Well, that's very hard to say at the moment. We will eventually find out uh, how many people have joined because we have uh, we are legally uh, obliged to tell our employers that we're on strike. Uh, and this is how they dock our pay eventually. Um, but uh, so it's hard to say at the moment because obviously we've we've had these different strike actions and so we haven't been able to uh, to count the numbers. But uh, but it's been actually uh, it's been unbelievable in many ways. I mean, I've, I took part in uh, in strike actions a few years ago, I think four or five years ago, and you know we were a handful of people on the picket lines, uh, you know, handing in flyers. And this time around, I expected it to be the same. And actually, uh, it was it was incredible the support we got. And every day we got more people joining the pickets. And after nine days, people getting nine days of pay docked uh, in a month uh, you know people kept joining and people st stick to the picket uh, in, in uh, sub-zero temperatures uh, for four or five hours a day um, and so you know I mean in, in my department I think it was probably 90% of the staff on strike uh, we probably are the department where there's most um, uh, where there's the largest amount of, of strikers I guess but I think uh, you know across the, the campus we've seen lots of people on strike at the end of the day, it's hard to know how many people were on strike. But I think when we look at the photos across the UK, we see that it's been followed massively and people are just fed up. It's not just a question of pensions. It's a question of, of the current situation and, and the way we are doing our jobs. A job that we love, a job that we work very hard to. We always go above and beyond, you know, we don't work for 39 hour a week or, or anything like this. We all work, you know, on evenings, weekends uh, and so on. We are all, all dedicated to our students, to our research, uh, to our community and, and we're treated worse and worse. And I think, you know, this kind of last attack on our pension was just really this tipping point, I think. And, you know, Ioannis is right when he says that, you know, we were told a few years ago that the pension thing was resolved. And now with really shoddy evaluations, they kind of put that back on the table, thought that we wouldn't fight because we are tired and, you know, but, but, but yeah, but we're angry as well now. So, yeah, so lots of people are out. Yeah, there's tens of thousands of lecturers across the country on strike. And the university and colleges union, which is, well, our union, were is just collapsed under the amount of new people joining the union, that they have a backlog of applications, just of the, the force, the energy of people wanting to join picket lines, wanting to fight for their pensions. And I think it is the, the biggest strike in the sector. It is unprecedented. And even though, I think it was last year, the UK government put in place a system which made it harder to unionize, where each institution when it balloted its members for this strike, needed to achieve at least 50% of members responding to the ballot in order to be able to strike or take any kind of action. Despite that, it was the highest level of response across, nationally across 65 universities that just overwhelmingly voted in favor of strikes. And we're talking, I think it was 88% voted in favor of strike and 91 or 92% in favor of action short of a strike. So you see the depth of feeling across the UK and I do not think that the government or people managing the pension expected that response and they also expected students to turn against staff and that has not really happened. So but I mean before we get into that context and this this issue of you know university you know the vice chancellors not expecting unions to really have too much power and the, the move or the taking a lot of power away from unions through different policies that were enacted and yet still having such a response by labor. Um, before getting into that sort of larger context, I, I want to ask about sort of these, you know, your daily experiences um, during these past nine days um, striking. 
Um, you said earlier that there's there's different strike actions taking place. So so what does that look like? Is it just going out and being on a picket line and in the freezing cold, or are there, you know, what else is happening um, among these staff members who are striking? Well, there's a lot happening, really. I mean, the, the picket line is the, the traditional thing, obviously. So, uh, again, it depends on, on the universities. Some universities didn't do it every day. Here at uh, at Bath, we, we had a picket line every day from about 7.30 in the morning to about 12, 12.30 um, before we disbanded. Um, some people stayed the, the whole time. Some people just joined for an hour or something like that. The aim for the picket line really is to kind of raise awareness among students and staff who are crossing the picket line and tell them what we're doing, uh, why we are doing this and why they should support us in many ways and, and why, the, you know, the longer the picket line, the, the, the shorter the strike in many ways or the bigger the picket line. And again, that's been amazing to see so many people turning up to this and, you know, meeting staff and colleagues that, that we don't necessarily talk to because, you know, of our daily routines and, and, and the amount of work we have to do already in our own departments. So it's been great to kind of chat like this. So that was the kind of normal uh, way to do strike really uh, and what, you know, the union organized for us. But, but some of us decided to actually go beyond that. And, you know, I mean, in, uh, in other universities, they organized marches, they organized uh, games and things like that. In our universities, we organized uh, what we call the strike on teach out. Uh, so every afternoon, what we did is we met uh, either in a, in a pub or in um, a social club uh, in town uh, and we invited anyone uh, who wanted to come and we just had talks about uh, about higher education, about our community, about what was happening, about student rent, about uh, you know student conditions and so on. And, and, and the way we tried to organize it really was uh, on, on completely, well, we try to remove, if you want, what we hate about our, about our uh, higher education system, which is, you know, this kind of hier hierarchy, uh, hierarchic system, which is between senior management and us as lecturers, senior lecturers and so on, but also between lecturers and students, this kind of master-student relationship. So we try to remove this and instead act as a community and a community of learners. Uh, and, and so there was no kind of real hierarchies. Lecturers talk to students, students talk to lecturers in, in a kind of egalitarian footing, sharing experience, sharing knowledge um, uh, and so on. And it, I mean, it's been amazing. I mean, uh, you know, when, when, we, when we set it up, we had no idea how many people would turn up. We thought like people might just want to stay home. Again, it was cold. It was in a pub that was a bit uh, outside of town as well, but it's a community run pub. So that's why we organized it there. Uh, and the room was packed. I mean, when we started, it was kind of like, oh, God, there's like five people and it's mostly us organizers. And then, you know, people came in and then we had no more room in the, you know, in, in, in the pub uh, for anyone. So anyone had to stand up, sit on the floor and all that. So, I mean, it's, it's been fantastic. And we've done that uh, out of nine days. I think we've done that eight days uh, in different venues. Uh, in the last couple of days this week, we did it on campus because some of our students occupied uh, the vice chancellor's, uh, well, the area next to the vice chancellor's suite to, to support us. Uh, and so we decided to support them in turn to organize the teach out on campus. And yesterday we had, uh, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to make any estimates, but we had so many people taking part in our International Women's Day event uh, that was linked to the occupation and the teach out. And that was, I mean, that's fascinating. And new faces every day, you know, people finding out colleagues, students, it's, I mean, it's been brilliant. Yeah, I completely agree with Arlene. It's been incredibly energizing. And I heard so, someone yesterday, a colleague mentioned to me a wonderful phrase, which is the pedagogy of the picket. And just the ethos of the picket line of meeting people from different departments who have the same spirit, you feel revitalized, energized. Uh, one of my other colleagues spoke about reclaiming agency. That, that for him and the picket line has been wonderful, where to almost say enough is enough. I want to reclaim a space for what I feel is right. And the teach outs, as someone who was introduced to the teach out as an attendee, not an organizer, 
I was um, I walked away from each teachout full of energy. That has been an essential way to keep energy levels up and positivity, and that transfers to the picket line, and it just gets a good vibe going. So it's not just all negativity. We'd rather be at work, but if we can't be at work, this has been a very bonding experience. If that makes sense. And and bonding for both lecturers and and faculty members and students. It sounds like. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And it's been I mean it's been fantastic to see students turning up and, and talking to us. And I mean uh, the students who have turned up. And I mean you know in a way it's a shame that not more students turned up. But then again, rooms were packed. So it's, I guess it was it was good in terms of practicalities. But like the students who turned up were like you know what I've learned more in a week here. Like you know I mean I, I teach politics mostly, and you know my students were like I've learned more about politics in a week being at the teach outs and on the picket lines uh, than you know than being in lecture theatres, which you know I felt a bit upset about because you know I hope that they learn from my lectures as well. But uh, but but at the same time, you know, it, it was great because, you know, it was politics in action and it was, you know, us, you know, what we lecture about in a way when we lecture about inequality, when we lecture about discrimination, when we lecture about, uh, you know, about, about all these topics uh, that, that we talk about here, it was putting them in action. You know, it was showing them that actually industry production is real, that, you know, community can, can work, that, that working together can, can lead somewhere and that, and that we have agency as well. I mean, exactly the word agency, I think that Johannes mentioned is very, very important here. And, and it was, I mean, this feeling again of, of coming together, of, of, you know, being all cold, tired, because, you know, it's like waking up very early, finishing very late. Uh, it's a lot more hard work than normal work. And our work, normal work is already hard. But, you know, and, and but yet at the end of the day, we were all so happy, like, and, and a happiness that we should get every day from our jobs. You know, we, we are unbelievably privileged in our situations to be, you know, to be lecturers. It's, it's such an amazing job to be able to, you know, to teach young people about things that they, they are passionate about and they, they are dedicating themselves to, or they should be anyway. But here we got that feeling, the feeling we should get every day. We got it out of that space because that space was, you know, egalitarian. This space kind of brought us all together. And, and the people who were there wanted to be there and they wanted to be there for the sake of being there, not for the sake of an exam, not for the sake of a mark, not for the sake of pleasing a lecturer or a master or someone above them. They wanted to be there to, to kind of learn, share and uh, yeah, and, and, and yeah, and be together. And, and that was just fascinating in many respects. Staff, and when I mean staff, I'm not talking about just teachers because the USS pension affects a broad range of staff members, but staff, students from all walks around the university, we almost rediscovered how to empathize with each other. And the teach outs provide, the teach outs and the picket line provided an egalitarian space where no one really asked whether you were staff or student. You were just on the picket line, joined us, and we were all together. And that's something that sometimes gets a bit lost, I think, in university, where there's an emphasis on hierarchies, teacher-student relationships, and the fact, as Aurelia mentioned, no assessments. And I think one of the key things of the teach-out, and, and almost by extension of the picket line, none of this is going on anybody's CV. This is not, this is not to build a career, nothing. It's just let's enjoy it for the sake of enjoy it, let's learn for the sake of learning, let's talk to people for the sake of talking to people. And that, as we've been discussing, it's refreshing, energizing, and revitalizing. Last week, I talked to um, Henry Giroux on, on Fresh Ed, and he was arguing that we needed to re-politicize education. And, and in ways, what it sounds like these teach-outs are doing and these, these strike actions are doing is, is precisely that. It's, it's bringing politics back into learning. And it's, I mean, it's just quite refreshing to realize that there's such excitement coming out of these teach-outs. And 
students are, I mean, they're presumably also still paying their university fees, right? I mean, they're not stopping, they're not getting a refund, are they? Well, some of them have tried to argue for it. Uh, there's been petitions going around, but I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I think what students should ask is not to pay for university at all in the first place, not for refunds, uh, really. Uh, but uh, but I think, yeah, I think I think there is there is a, a hunger. And I think once, but it's difficult, you see, because I think it's, it's also a lot about hegemony as well at the, at the same time. It's about the, the framework and the, and the mind, mindset that, that students have when they come to university. And, and more and more they come as consumers and they're told to come as consumers. You know, now we have an office for students which treats uh, students exactly like consumers and treats us like, uh, like any other kind of retail, uh, you know, retailer um, you know, on the main street or anything like this. And, and I think this is very, very problematic. And I think the teach outs are only part of the solution. I think we need to go far beyond. And I think we need to challenge ourselves as lecturers. As, as, as much as, uh, as, as, uh, as students need to challenge their, themselves and their government. Uh, and I think we, we need to kind of be a bit bolder as, as lecturers and be a bit braver in our approach to learning and in our approach to, um, to the way we, we go about uh, teaching our, our students complete, uh, you know, on a daily basis. I think we need to politicize universities. And I think that's what we've tried to do with the teach-outs, of course, but the teach-outs reached very few people. What we've tried to do as well, and I think we... We've learned from past mistakes is uh, with the picket lines. I mean, the picket lines, you know, in, in, in the 70s, 80s, uh, maybe even 90s in the UK, they tended to be, you know, things that you do not cross and things that tended to be extremely antagonistic of yelling almost insults at people crossing them and things like that. And, and from, the, from day one, this time around, we saw that this would not work because we realized that our students who are crossing the picket lines simply don't understand what politics is. They don't understand that, that another way is possible. They don't understand that, that, that their current situation of paying more than £9,000 a year does not have to be this way. Uh, and, and they just accept it, unfortunately. You know, that's hegemony at its best. There's no coercion whatsoever. They just accept it as common sense. This is just what you do. You have to pay £9,000, £9,250 a year to, to study with 6% 6, 6 uh, interest rates uh, you know, on, on, on top of it. And, and I think what, what we realised very quickly is that, okay, the typical kind of picket line of yelling, you know, scab to people. Well, first thing, it's illegal nowadays, thanks to the latest legislation. But not only that, that wouldn't have worked. So what we try to do, in fact, is to be, you know, to, to create new flyers, uh, like we, we did comic book flyers, we need, you know, various things. We did fun flyers. We did, like, we printed uh, uh, some, um, some fake banknotes with our vice chancellor's uh, face on it, you know, and because uh, she's very well paid and she's on the board of, uh, of the pensions uh, scheme as well at the same time. So, you, you know, we try to engage students in a way to try to kind of raise awareness rather than just antagonize them in many ways. And it was quite interesting to see their response. And actually, I mean, I was quite surprised. I thought that we would have a lot more kind of um, nasty responses in many ways because, you know, like no one likes to be told that they should support something and, and they don't want to in a way, you know, people, and so people tend to have a kind of self-righteous reaction. But, but it was very, very few uh, who actually reacted badly. I think, I mean, in the nine days of picketing that I've done, I've only had one kind of hated moment, really. Uh, and I think then uh, the next day that guy came through and just kind of put his head down because he realized that he was being a bit of an idiot. Uh, but but it, it's been amazing to see students being unbelievably supportive, being really upset to miss lectures, being still in the hegemonic kind of mindset, which is like, you know, oh, we pay £9,000, it's really annoying, blah, blah, blah. But then really understanding that there's more to it. And, you know, it was kind of breaking that, again, yeah, breaking the hegemony, if you want, kind of starting to kind of make a little breach here to say, hey, look, there's something else. We could do something different. And if we do it together, we'll do it well, you know, and it will be it will be great. And if we could win this, this struggle, I think, you know, it would make a massive statement for us, for students, 
But for any other workers, you know, the fact that it's been a long time since people have won fights in, in the UK. Actually, that's not entirely true, but at least as well publicized as us, very recently, I think it was last year, um, cleaners in, uh, in some universities uh, in London managed to actually create their own union uh, and won massive battles against universities. Of course, it's not as well publicized as, as us in our privileged positions as lecturers, you know, who have access to media and things like that, uh, do it. But I think, you know, the more of these battles can be won, the more collective action can be uh, shown in a positive light, uh, the better it is. And here, I think we've managed to actually bring everyone behind us, which is which is fantastic, really. Absolutely. And the what's been incredible is that students, particularly when engaging with the students and talking to the students and because, of course, for them, in many respects, pensions are something that are so distant and so far away that doesn't really enter the realm of understanding and day to day life. But when we've explained that, Pensions are about working conditions, they're about deferred pay, that these pension cuts effectively would amount to about a 6 to 7% pay cut. And then we show them the figures, we show them that within the context of higher education and how there's casualization of contracts, people are, well, there's the gender pay gap, there's all these injustices around that are rife. Students start to think, well, wait a minute, that doesn't seem very fair. And then they start to join us. And what has been particularly, particularly powerful is this appreciation. I think something I mentioned earlier that I think employers and pension managers thought the students would turn against us on the basis that they want their money. They were consumers. And while some of them are not happy about this and have maybe been against us a little bit, there are many who have been just in favor and have wanted to support, say, well, I completely, if I were in your shoes, I would also strike. And I saw a tweet which I think was wonderful, but I don't know, a lecturer somewhere in the country where he said, look, I'm not teaching in a lecture room, but do you know what I am teaching my students? That collective action makes a difference. And as we said earlier, the employers, after two days of strikes or three days, for they, were, they shifted their position from, no, I'm definitely not talking to anybody, to, okay, let's have some negotiations. And are, so are they negotiating now? Is that currently happening? Yes, so right now they're embedded in negotiations. So we have the union, UCU, and the employers, UK, UUK, Universities UK, and they're currently negotiating. Uh, the negotiations, as far as I'm aware, are going on till today. Uh, then they will, well, presumably, if no solution is found, continue. We have strikes still planned. So our 14 days of strikes, we've done nine. Next week, the strikes are still on for the time being, and they will run from Monday to Friday. But yesterday, UCU also put out a statement suggesting that they're drafting or planning a further 14 days of strikes to be called if need be. And they, these, would be, these stri strikes have been very disruptive, but those other 14 days of strikes would be even more disruptive because they would come during exam periods and assessment periods. And that is something that has been discussed as a kind of nuclear option where no one really wants to do that because it hurts staff, it hurts students, it hurts everybody. But if the employers are still not listening about the gravity of the situation, they're not responding to the pressure from, about, I think it's 30 vice chancellors now who have spoken out and said, we need to resume meaningful negotiations, then there is no option but to hit the nuclear button, so as to speak. It's interesting, this idea of, of using the exams, this sort of, you know, product of standardization and of neoliberalism being used and turned against the very system as a way to force 
the labor reforms that that are so counter to neoliberalism. I mean, I love that idea. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, it's it, it's 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 fascinating as well that you know even even students who are so worried about exams have told me like you know you guys should do that. And I was like, oh okay, well if you're supporting us on this, I mean that that'd be brilliant in a way. But but it also shows like the stage we've got at in a way where where senior management and 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 the the people at at universities UK live in a bubble that, that is just like completely uh, disconnected from from the realities of, of our day to day lives. I mean, we at the moment um, we have uh, as uh, Yohannis said, 30 vice chancellors have turned around and said, yeah, we need meaningful negotiations. We're willing to take more risk, blah, blah, blah. The latest uh, ones were uh, Oxford and Cambridge, who finally like uh, decided to kind of say, OK, that we were wrong. We shouldn't have supported that. You know, it was amazing. In, um, in Oxford, what happened is uh, they had a meeting, a uh, council meeting. Uh, and uh, I think you can you can uh, you just need 20 people to raise their hands to veto any discussions. And so, you know, they wanted to have a discussion about that and, and, and you know, opening negotiations. 20 people raised their hands. So the vice chancellor said, all right, this is you know vetoed we're not talking about it everyone left the room and they had a discussion outside of the room in the cold and they voted i think 450 uh, for negotiations to against uh, and so you know since Ox the oxford vc i said all right we're going back to you to negotiations the cambridge vice chancellor said the same uh, most vice chancellors have said the same. So it's like there's no one anymore but except that bubble of, of senior management people who have nothing to do with universities these days who are saying we don't want to negotiate. But the worst thing is, you know, all of us want to go back to work. Uh, you know, we want to go back to lecture theatres. We want to go back to help our students. We certainly don't want to, to, to strike for another 14 days in exam period. But they're being so close-minded in their, in their certainties in a way or they're being so stuck in their certainties that the, the system that they put on us the pressure they put on us, the pay cuts they put on us, the you know the fees that they, they throw at students uh, is the normal thing and right thing to do. That they, they refuse to budge at the moment, and you know we've we've even had the right wing press behind us. It's insane, you know. It's just insane, and yet they don't budge. Uh, it's, yeah. So I mean, we're all hoping that you know the strike will end and they, we will have meaningful negotiations. We want to be back at work, but but also I think we've shown that we are resolved and that you know we will strike as long as it takes. And and, and if we can use the exams uh, against uh, the system, then why not? Amongst all these pay cuts, what's recently revealed is that the chief executive of the pension fund was awarded a seventy percent pay increase. That's eighty-two thousand pay increase. Two of the members on the board apparently earn a million pounds. Just under you, Anis. 900,000 pounds. <laughs> and there we go. Which is astounding. So they can get this 17% pay cut, I mean, sorry, per percent increase, whilst student fees go up, rent goes up, real wages for lecturers go down, and they've been going down by, I think, about 13, 14% since 2009. It's astounding. Do you think that this this action, this labor movement that's happening now um, will sort of usher in a new era of higher education where some of the ideals that you've sort of uncovered and unearthed in these teach-outs would re-enter higher education, that the bubble of administrators that you see is getting smaller and smaller and more closed-minded may sort of be pushed aside for some of these new ideas of this broad coalition that you've seemed to assembled between f faculty, staff, and students, and it sounds like also laborers in other industries. I mean, it almost sounds like there's this new era upon us. And I mean, is that is that maybe being too hopeful, or you know, am I being just naive? I'm I'm not sure. No, I, I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I think 
I think you're not being hopeful. I think I think we are seeing a new era, and I, I haven't been that optimistic in a long time. I mean, we you know we are at the University of Bath, which is not famous for being quite for being radical in any way, shape, or form. But in the last couple of years, we've seen massive changes here. Students and and staff have managed to actually push out uh, our vice chancellor, who is uh, going to be resigning uh, very soon because of pay scandals. Uh, we had massive pay scandals in the last few years. Our vice chancellor has paid four hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year. She's the best paid uh, VC in the in the country. Uh, she lives rent-free in a massive mansion in uh, in the in the city centre of Bath. She does not. Uh, she got a free car loan for a car that has been uh, written off since. Uh, and she claims two pounds. She claimed. I mean, the, the tipping point, in fact, was on the pensions for us at Bath. The tipping point was last year. She claimed two pounds worth of biscuits in her expenses. So even that, she refused to pay, and that was the tipping point. So it's become, you know, like um, we had demonstrations where students were throwing biscuits at the at the windows of her office and things like that. I mean, it was quite. It was like May '68, except the cobblestones were biscuits, really. Um, and uh, but you know, I mean. I was talking to to some of my colleagues who have been here twenty years, and they're like, we never saw a demonstration at Bath ever. And last year we had, you know, these demonstrations against the vice chancellor. That vice chancellor who has been here for over fifteen years, uh, who no one would have ever thought would go, even in my most optimistic kind of, you know, days, I wouldn't expect that. And then she was gone very quickly. I mean, we still, we still, I mean, students are still fighting and staff are still fighting for her to go sooner because uh, she accepted to go with a six-month sabbatical, two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, right? Uh, so, so it's still not quite exactly what students want, but I think you know the fact that the University of like the University of Bath and, and our student body um, managed to kind of set this in motion, and then you know this kind of uh, criticism of the pay of vice chancellors went to other universities like Southampton, Birmingham, and so on, and it, it kind of started spreading from from university like ours to some extent, which is which is fascinating and like us being the vanguard. I think that makes me very hopeful, and the fact that these strikes have been followed so, so massively make me very hopeful. However, I think. My worry is that, you know, let's say we win uh, this battle about the pension, people will think that this is the coming of a new age in a way, and, and they, we will just relax and think that's it, the, the, you know, the work is done. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, this is just the beginning, really. And I think, yes, that could be the beginning of a new age, but that's very much up to us, and it's much to, up to us as lecturers, as students, as, as staff at universities, uh, for us to reconnect, for us to kind of create new governance uh, in our universities, where the people at the top are reconnected to us, where, where vice-chancellors cannot stay on for, for years and years and years, where vice-chancellors cannot get massive pay rises when, when most of the staff are getting actually real-term uh, pay cuts, as, as Ioannis was saying, where vice-chancellors cannot get, get pay rises or build new buildings, where most of their staff is on casual contracts or on zero-hour contracts like, like we have uh, a lot at the University of Bath, for example. So I think what we need to do is keep working very, very hard. And you know, that's not, that's not an easy battle because all of us have jobs that take a lot of time um, and a lot of energy already you know, with our research, with our teaching, uh, admin roles, uh, and so on and so forth. So you know, like the picket lines has allowed us to talk to each other, but you know, we will have to make sure that these spaces remain open in the future where, where we can talk to each other across departments, across disciplines, across uh, jobs, obviously, research, teaching, uh, admin, uh, help, estates, uh, and so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm massively optimistic, I'm massively hopeful, but I know that you know this is only the beginning and the hard work uh, is only really starting, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and I, like Aurelien, am also very optimistic, and particularly I wanted to pick up on one of the words that Aurelien was discussed, which is governance. And until recently, Governance has been something that has not really been discussed because, well, it's quite boring and tedious compared to other walks of life. And what's become quite clear with at least governance at the University of Bath, which what's what started almost this mini revolution in Bath, 
was when we found out that the vice chancellor was earning this outrageous amount of money over four hundred and fifty thousand pounds and then it transpired that she sat on the, her own remuneration committee so she was on the committee that determined her pay and then it seems that there are an enormous amount of vice chancellors across the uk who sit on their own remuneration committees which is astounding oh i'd like to sit on the committee that determines my own pay as well who wouldn't and also beyond that they sit on their committees, but they also nominate the people who sit on the committee. So, so corrupt. It's self-fulfilling. It's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So suddenly governance is becoming a big thing. How is our university governed? Who are the people governing it? Which links to representation. Who are the voices? Where are the voices of staff? Of all staff. No, we're not talking lecturers, professors, all staff. Services, hospitality. Where are their voices? It's their university as well. What about students? It's students' universities as well. We need to deal with these problems. Again, you have governance issues with Universities UK and the Pension Fund, where you have 17% pay increase, as I mentioned earlier, for the chief executive. What Aurelien mentioned earlier about how Oxford and Cambridge seem to have their votes double counting, where they had a vote each for Oxford and Cambridge, plus a vote for each of their colleges in determining whether the pension scheme was gonna go from their defined benefit to defined contribution. What's going on there? And right now there's a petition circulating for a free to make sure that, well, UUK can fall under freedom of information request. So we can find out what exactly is going on here. So there's this optimism is not just let's defend our pensions. It's also let's think about social justice. Let's think about how the system works. Let's change the system. And as Aurelien said, this is going to take a long time, but there's definitely appetite for these changes. Well, Giannis and Ariellen, thank you so much for joining Fresh Ed and best of luck on this action and stay warm today on the picket line. Thank you. Thank you so much. Giannis Kostis Batley and Ariellen Mundan are lecturers at the University of Bath and participants in the Bath Teachouts. Their new co-written blog post on the UK university strikes can be found at discoversociety.org. Please note that opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate us on iTunes. It really does help. Fresh Ed is made possible through listener donations. Please consider becoming a member of Fresh Ed by visiting freshedpodcast.com support. Fresh Ed's producers are Sherry Yang, Yuval Devere, Hong Zong, and Lushik Waba. Aggie Hu is Fresh Ed's social media coordinator, and original music for Fresh Ed was created by Digital Primate. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll be back next week.